0: it's a A today and i'm going to answer questions about expected mtt variants especially with small sample sizes uh playing small to medium pocket pairs and a turn calling decision for all the chips it's study time y'all welcome to smart poker study i'm your coach sky matsuhashi let's get you learning and taking action You know, I always look forward to Q and A podcasts because I just really like helping my listeners, my Poker Forge members, my students with the exact thing that they're looking for at the time. Because when I try to come up with a, with a podcast topic, uh, you know, I, I often pull a, Pull from things that are just going on in my mind right now, but it's great having things specifically from listeners coming in via email or, or Twitter, or like I said, the poker forge, my students and stuff. And I'm just addressing those things because I know that's exactly what you need right now. So like I said, looking forward to the Q and a got three great topics for you, but here's something, two things for you. Um, Today's podcast episodes, there's quite a few different screenshots, especially when we do the hand reading exercise, not the hand reading, the hand history review about a turn calling spot. It's really going to be helpful if you go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 368. Now you're going to want to go there because the text chain or the text output for the hand is written there so you can read it and because sometimes going through hand histories verbally like this, things can get confusing. So I always do my best to keep the action as straight as possible. Um, Let you know the flop cards, the turn cards, what both opponents have, the best sizes, all that stuff, right? But it's always easier to see what I'm talking about. And in my answer to the question, of course, I've already devised my answer. I know what I'm going to say. So I created some screenshots on the show notes page to basically show you ranges and range versus hand and uh, uh, board texture analysis along with that. So you're going to want to see the show notes. Once again, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod368. But before we get to the questions, I want you to take action first and then learn later. Action first, learn later. So here's what you need to do. You're about to hear my answers to three different questions, but I want you to imagine that you are the one being asked these questions. You are the teacher here. So each question comes from one of your students. Just put that into your imagination. Um, Put some critical thought into your answers and maybe even write them out in your poker journal or voice them aloud. You know, pause the podcast, voice your answer, and then continue listening and see how my answer jives with yours. Okay, let's do this. Gambate. We win and they get the chicks. That sucks, dude. But I'm telling you, it's jobs. We got to get jobs. Then we get the khakis. Then we get the chicks. Starting tomorrow, we got to stop playing games. So question one comes to us from Fairaga, and it's about a hand that he played. So we're going to do a little hand history review. He played this hand, and he wanted to know, was it right to call on the turn versus his opponent shove based on pod odds, um, despite the signs pointing to his opponent having a set? Now, I don't necessarily believe that his opponent has to have a set to, to play the way he did here but it's a 10.25 game. Hero is in the cutoff, and he's dealt King of Spades, King of Diamonds. Two players fold, and then Hero raises it to 75 cents, or three big, let's go in big blinds, right? Just to make it easier. Three big blinds with his pocket kings. Uh, the player uh, in the bu- on the button, three bet to 10 big blinds. Now, this is the interesting thing. The villain in the small blind calls the 10 big blind cold calls the 10 big blind three bet this villain started with 73 big blinds. started the hand with 73 big blinds. so you can imagine 73 big blind start cold calling a three bet for 10 big blinds from the worst position with two players still to act probably a fishy player right goes back around a hero who raises it to uh to uh 28 big blinds seven dollars right here 28 big blinds Um, The three better folds, but then the cold caller who cold called the three bet from the small blind, now cold called the additional chips to make it 28 big blinds right there from the worst possible position. So the flop comes down, nine of diamonds, eight of hearts, six of diamonds. So a pretty wet board. And remember, Hero has pocket kings and he's up against a cold four bet calling range. Now, Hero decides to bet into the small pot villain only has 40 big blinds behind villain decides or hero decides to bet 16 big blinds and villain ends up calling on the nine eight six flop the turn comes a jack of clubs making the board nine of diamonds eight of hearts Six of diamonds, jack of clubs. Now the small blind player from out of position just raises all in or bets all in for uh, for 25 big blinds, the remaining big blinds. And Hero decides to call it with his overpair on the very wet board. The river ends up coming the queen of hearts. And Hero loses with his pocket kings versus the queen ten of spades that Villain had. So Villain called preflop a three bet and then cold called the four bet. With Queen-10 suited. And Hero lost. And remember, Hero was asking, should I have folded on that turn? And for me, there's no way I could get away from a hand like this, especially on the turn, because for a few different points, number one is that his stack was so tiny at the time on the turn. He only shoved all in for 25 big blinds when that, when that pot was already really big. Also, this is a super fishy player. Started with a shorter stack pre-flop called a 3-bet, then called a 4-bet from the worst position. Totally fishy player, right? The third point is he has an extremely wide 4-bet cold calling range here. And you can see what this looks like in the show notes. It's a 13% range made of mostly pocket pairs, suited uh, broadways, some offsuit broadways, and then suited ace-5 through ace-deuce, and then 8-7 suited and better. So a pretty wide range right here. So if we if we analyze the action of the hand... Pre-flop, Hero's Pocket Kings had 77% equity against the small blind player. Now, the small blind player checked and then called the C-bet. If we narrow the range utilizing Flopzilla, and once again, there's a screenshot of what this looks like in the show notes page, Hero's equity drops to 62%, but he's still way ahead on this board. Remember the 986 with two diamond board. Now the turn comes the jack of clubs and it completes a couple draws like the queen 10 just now got there with the straight right but if we just look at equities on the jack of clubs uh hero's equity just drops a little bit to 59% so he's still winning more than half of the time right now hero's question was all about uh am i mathematically correct to call on the turn now if we look at the math involved villain bet 629 if hero's calling he's going to call 629 or 25 big blinds to win a total pot of 150 big blinds. So all he needed mathematically is 17% equity to call. And Hero has at least that if Villain is shoving with any top pair, any pair plus draw, any draw itself. Like he could easily be shoving with like ace five of diamonds right here. And looking at players like this, this could easily be just a total desperation out of position turn shove, hoping that his opponent's going to be scared when that jack hits because that board is so wet. So just for the fact that it's a possible desperation shove from a weak player, I think you have to call with pocket kings right here. But here's the thing, Fireaga. I think your big mistake was on the flop. You flopped an overpair on a very wet board versus a super fishy player. The pot on the flop was already 72 big blinds, and he only has 40 big blinds left in his stack, right? He's totally committed at this point with any pair and any draw. I think you have to get value while the getting's good and just shove all in or bet enough to put his remaining 40 big blinds in. Like I said, this player is going to call on this flop. After cold calling pre-flop and putting so many big blinds in, there's no way he's giving up with any pair or any draw. Just get it all in now when you have potentially the best hand. Alrighty, so question two comes from Jamie, and it's about MTT variants. Here's what Jamie said. Do you really recommend America's Cardroom? I've been playing on that site for 16 months. I've played 256 tournaments with 22 caches, but no wins. I just can't help to feel like I've been robbed by that site. Any words of wisdom? So thank you very much for the question, Jamie. and, And my answer is No, I don't think you're being robbed. And yes, I still recommend America's Card Room to play on. But let's look at some numbers here. You said that you play 256 tournaments in 16 months. That's an average of only 16 (laughs) tournaments per month. It's not even one a day, so it's a very small sample size. You also said that you've cashed in 22 of the 256 tournaments. If we look at a percentage, that's 8.6% cashing. That's just a little bit under like a 10% expectation. You know how sites pay out uh, 10% of the tournament fields. Normally, it's roughly around 10%, right? Well, you've cashed in just under 10% at 8.6%. So I don't think you're being cheated at all. It might feel like it, but your results are kind of what you'd expect just mathematically, Um, especially if you're kind of running under variance or things are not working in your favor. Now, Two things that I recommend for you, uh, Jamie. Number one is to review each tournament that you play to find your mistakes. And given the fact that you've only played 16 tournaments per month, you have more than enough time to review every tournament hand for hand after you play it before your next tournament. The goal here is to find your mistakes and improve your tournament skills with the off the felt study. And then you can get that win rate up above 10% and maybe have a few wins in there too. Now, the second recommendation for you, and every other tournament and cash game players, if you're concerned about variance and going on downswings and stuff, primedope.com, and there's a link to this in the show notes page. They have a very interesting variance calculator, and it might help you interpret your bad or understand your bad results and realize that, hey, this isn't the end of the world. I'm not being robbed. This is just kind of like something that you got to expect with poker sometimes, performing below uh, expectations, I guess, right? And On the show notes page, there's also a video from Alec Torelli, poker coach Alec Torelli, video creator and everything, but um, a very good video on how to use the poker variance calculator from primedope.com. So check it out. Okay, question three comes to us from Big T, and it's about playing small to medium pocket pairs. Big T says, One thing I'm struggling with is pocket pairs under pocket tens, and even pocket tens out of position. I play MTTs and lost too many chips with them, so now I got to the point where I just don't play them at all, unless I'm in position and a lot of people limped before me. Then I just limp because the odds are good. What are your thoughts about that? Great question, Big T. Now, my answer is that pocket deuces all the way through pocket tens. They are great to play for their set mining value and for their ability to win without improving, especially those pocket eights through pocket tens. You often flop an overpair on the flop. And if you're in tournaments with shorter sacks, you can get it in at that point. And then hopefully, you know, your big, your overpair at the time, your one pair hand will hold up and win out versus the king tens, the queen jacks, the ace tens, all the kind of overcard hands that might be calling you. So let's evaluate your options with pocket pairs based on the situation you're in. So the first situation is that you're first to act and you have a workable stack size, you know, something 20, 30 big blinds or more, where there's potentially post-flop action to be taken advantage of. Your best option here when you're first to act with any pocket pair is to open raise. This increases your overall aggression. It makes you harder to read because when you just limp, they're going to be putting you on those baby and mid-pocket pairs right away, right? But when you open raise, you have ace-king, ace-queen, ace-ten, pocket tens, pocket aces, pocket deuces in your range. Much harder to read you, right? And they're going to put you on strength. And the fact that you raised, hey, you could take that pot down right now. Blinds and antis are yours when you raise to three big blinds with your pocket deuces or with your ace-ten or your ten-jack suited. Now, your second best option is to open limp when you're first to act. When you open limp with small pairs, you're doing so to set mine. So keep that in mind. If somebody comes over the top and three bets you to seven big blinds, not three bets, iso raises you to seven big blinds, but they only have 20 big blinds left in their stack, the implied odds just probably are not there to be calling their iso raise. Here's your worst option when you're first to act or it's folded around to you and you're dealt with these pocket pairs. The worst option is to just fold because pairs are super valuable. The worst thing you could do is just to fold them because you're scared of losing with those pocket pairs. Now, here's the second situation where you might be dealt pocket pairs and have to act, right? You're first to act with a short stack now, maybe something less than 15, 10 to 12 big blinds, right? How you play here, it's totally dependent on your position and the players yet to act. And because you're a tournament player, Big T, it's also critical that you think about how close you are to the money. When you're short-stacked with pocket pairs, you can typically jam it all in um, just to steal those blinds and antes. And the later your position is, the better, because you have less players who can wake up uh, uh, with a hand worthy of calling you. And this is great, too. If your image is tight, with when you have a short stack, let's say you have 14 big blinds. You're a tight player. They haven't seen you play in many hands. You can open raise with any of these pocket pairs to two and a half or three big blinds. You'll do that as a steal because you're such a tight player, but you're committing chips with your short stack. It looks like you are committed to the pot and they're going to have a hard time. In their mind, they might have a hard time three bet bluffing you off your hand. And here's the thing. In that prior example or prior situation, I said the worst option is to fold. But if you're near the money bubble, You can just fold. You don't have to risk 10 big blinds on pocket fives just before making the money. Okay, the third situation, and this is something you mentioned, Big T, there were limpers ahead of you. So if you're short stacked and you think the limpers can limp then fold, go ahead and jam to steal the pot, especially if you're in the cutoff, the button, the small blind or the big blind. Less players to act, you can win that limping chip or those limping chips if there's more than one limper. Um, the small blind, the big blind, and the antis. You could possibly pick up four and a half big blinds with a simple shove at 10 big blinds. That's almost 50% added to your stack. Now, if it's more bigger sized workable stack sizes, then you can limp behind to set mine or raise it to steal from them as well. Just make sure that you think the players who limped are weak players and they're likely to fold. Now, it's okay to limp behind sometimes, and it's also okay to fold instead of limping behind because if you look at the players left to act, maybe you got another 10 uh, big blind aggressive player and a 12 big blind aggressive player. Your limp, limping behind, sweetens the pot for them to shove on you. You might be trying to see that flop cheap with pocket fours, but the 12 big blind player is just going to take that from you. That's dead money. If you had a great hand, you would have ISO raised instead of limping behind. He's going to see that and he's going to use your aggressive plays against you by shoving with his short stack. Now we mentioned set mining and I I really recommend even in tournaments when stacks get shorter, you want to follow the 20x rule for set mining. And that means however much you're going to call to see the flop, you want at least 20 times that bet size in the effective stack. So if you're thinking about calling somebody's raise to three big blinds, you want there to be 60 big blinds to potentially win in the stacks behind. And the final preflop situation that you're going to be in and dealt one of these small to medium pocket pairs is you're facing a raiser already. Now, if the stacks are big, remember that 20x set mining rule? You can go ahead and call, but just be aware that when you call, once again, you sweeten the pot for any short stack players to come over the top and uh, shove you off your hand, right? Let's imagine somebody raised it to three big blinds. You called with pocket fours another three big blinds. That's six big blinds in the pot. Plus the big blind, plus the small blind, plus the antes. That's like almost 8.5 big blinds. If somebody has a 15 big blind stack and they shove and get both of you and everyone else to fold... They just added more than half of their stack with that one play, so be aware that your call sets up a good squeeze opportunity for others. Now, because you're facing a raise, you could just choose a 3-bet with your hand, especially if your opponent can find a fold. You could also 3-bet shove with a shorter stack to put more of that folding pressure on the open raiser, right? But just the overall, to sum all all of this up, right? Pocket pairs... They're almost always worth playing and often coming in for a raise. They're worth raising. However, you need to consider your opponents, your position, the stack sizes, your image, the uh, point of the tournament that you're in before you commit to anything. And uh, don't be scared with pocket pairs. There's really good potential behind playing pocket pairs as long as you play them sensibly and you make the best decision given the information at the time. All right, so one quick shout out today Lee Watts, Joaquim Zacharison, NJD, Jason Taylor, Werewolf Pierre, Matthew Rose, and Shane all picked up my smart HUD for Poker Tracker 4. In that prior answer to Big T about uh, playing deuces through tens, right, those medium to small pocket pairs, I said if your opponent can find a fold, iso raise or three bet bluff against them, right? Well, that smart HUD is the easiest way to realize that your opponent can find a fold. You can see their fold to three bet stat, their fold to c bet, their fold to donk bet if you want to donk bet against them, right? The higher those percentages are, the more likely your exploitative bluffing play is going to work. And the smart HUD is going to be the number one A helper for online poker players or the number one source of information on your opponent's tendencies for online poker players. You've got to check it out. Go to smartpokerstudy.com slash smarthud to see what it's all about and get it for yourself. Alrighty, poker peeps, your learning isn't complete until you visit the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com/pod368. It's a basic transcript for my answers to all three of today's questions, screenshots, and links. For example, the Alec Trelli video and the uh, the link to the poker variance calculator. And with 2022 right around the corner. It's the perfect time to jump forward in your poker game. One huge step by joining thepokerforge.com. The nine masterclass courses there and the hundreds of action steps are going to help you take the next big leap in your poker game. You want to learn to hand read? Thepokerforge.com. You want to learn to make better post-flop C-bet bluffs? Thepokerforge.com. You want to learn to finally find the fold on the river when you know you should fold? ThePokerForge.com is where you want to be. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be.